You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey guys, it's Jeremy Warner, Illini Inquirer Publisher. Before we dive into the podcast today, which covers everything new with Illinois football, and boy, there's a lot of news, I want to tell you a little bit about the site, because right now we have a great deal. If you aren't a VIP subscriber right now, now's a great time to sign up, because you can get your first month of Illini Inquirer VIP access, all the latest with Illinois football recruiting, all the latest analysis there, all the latest with Illinois basketball recruiting with Derek Piper having you covered there, and our great national team of analysts throughout the great 24-7 sports network. You can sign up today for just $1 for your first month. Give it a try through the most in-depth Illini coverage and analysis, including some TBT. Boy, that's been fun to have sports back in our lives. We don't know when Illinois athletics will be completely back, but we will have every angle covered for you. So again, first month of VIP access for just $1. Give us a try. I think you'll like it. Welcome into the Illini Inquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner, Illini Inquirer publisher here, and I won't bore you with a long intro today. We got a lot of college football, Illinois, uh, to talk about with you today here on the podcast. As this week, Illinois lands three commitments in the class of 2021. What is Illinois getting in three-star Florida defensive back D.D. Snyder? two-star Virginia linebacker Kalen Villanueva, and three-star in-state offensive lineman Josh Krutz. Well, I break it all down with Ryan Easterling, Illini Inquirer, our football recruiting analyst, and also we dive into the big news out of the Big Ten that they're going conference-only schedules. What does this mean for the college football season, and what does it mean for evaluating what is supposed to be a big fall for Lovey Smith's tenure? That's all coming up next with Ryan Eastling right here on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Welcome back into the Alana Inquirer podcast. And uh, I talked to Ryan on my radio show just a few days ago. And boy, there's a lot more to even talk about today. As this week, Illinois football has received three new commitments in the class of 2021. We'll break down each of those prospects, as well as the big news in the Big Ten that the non-conference schedule is is very much different uh, than what we saw and that it's no longer there. We'll talk about the impact on Illinois as well there. Ryan, how you doing, man? Happy Friday. Doing well. Finally feels like summer, man. Getting some yeah. heat. So, so how did you take yesterday's news with the Big Ten? I, I got to say, it, it made me, I guess, the most pessimistic I've been throughout this entire process that there will be a football season. I, I think Robert pointed out something really, uh, really important is that in the Big Ten's release, they said the word if. If there is a season, um, you know, you look at what's going on with the Ivy League. They basically pushed everything out of the fall. There are other leagues that are pushing back all fall sports. Um, you know, there is a lot of talk, and I, I think there probably are ways that they could still have some of those non-conference games. But at the same time, I also understand that, you know, limiting it to conference play only gives that conference the most flexibility to change plans as time goes on, as things develop. You know, if the situation changes, it gives them an opportunity to retool and, and possibly approach it a little bit differently than they had planned on. But, you know, with everything that's going on, case count's still going up in a lot of states and, the, you know, not really trending in the right direction as far as the, the virus numbers go. I, I think it's going to be really difficult to safely play it, especially with, you know, the thought that you might be putting players, coaches at risk by putting them on the field. And I think the only way that they should really do it is if they can assuredly do it safely, even if a lot of the players want to play and some might be willing to sign an agreement that says, yeah, I'll do it regardless of the circumstances. I just, for the, for the well-being and health of the players, I, especially now, I think you might just have to be very, very careful and cautious about how you approach it. And that may mean not having a season at all. Yeah, I think it's all about for them, the Big Ten's about flexibility and also the, the protocols that they all have to follow the same thing. And I, I will say, I, I talked with Illinois State AD Larry Lyons this morning, and I think he thinks they can still play, especially against Illinois. Um, they're, they're in the same region here that uh, the same protocols have to be followed. Illinois, um, you know, Larry Lyons is an Illinois grad, and, and he knows Josh Whitman really well. The relationship's really good there. So I still think they could pull that off, but he did not sound optimistic at all. That that's even a possibility because this is a Big Ten decision, right? And the Big Ten's basically telling Illinois, um, you're not going to play that game. So uh, if, if they're able to play 10 games here, Ryan, which seems very, very optimistic, w- w- this is supposed to be the year we grade how this 10 year is going with Lovey Smith. This is the year Lovey Smith is built up to with, with all these freshmen, sophomores playing for that when they're seniors and juniors, that Illinois will take a huge step forward. Lovey Smith thinks they're going to take a huge step forward. Um, we don't know who's going to play, who's going to be available, how many games they'll play. So can we even use this year as that big measure year? And what, what's that mean for the program? I think it's going to depend on what ends up getting played. I mean, Somebody had they, they tweeted out an interesting fact from the Illinois account that the last time that there was a major national pandemic, they were basically national champions in the uh, in the nineteen teens. So, um, you know, the circumstances are very different. If if they don't play at all, then yeah, you know, it's tough. You don't get the grade, but you also lose some of that momentum. Um, there's a lot of what if and yeah. The thing I think about too is when you look at player eligibility what's this going to do for the players that basically are are robbed of a full season? You know, do they get that year of eligibility back? And then on the back end of that, you got to keep recruiting. 
So what's this going to do? Are they going to do a one, one year variance on total scholarship count where they basically say any of your seniors are added to your 85, 85 player scholarship count. There's a lot of what if and, and unknown that goes along with this. I mean, you could have rosters that have 110 scholarship players and, as we all know, that those scholarships cost money, uh, which teams are not going to be able to bring in this fall if they don't play football. So, uh, you know, it's I think it's a really tenuous situation. Um, you know, for Illinois, um, this what? Yeah, like you said, this was the year that everybody said, okay, this is the real litmus test. You, know, you go from two wins to four wins to six wins to. Uh, what you hope is a, a really experienced team finally putting it together and, and taking that next step to, to not just make a bowl game, but to possibly make a more desirable bowl game or have a stronger season, get off to a good start and possibly win some games that they weren't expected to. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough. It, hopefully it ends up not being a missed opportunity. And, you know, if some of those seniors that are seniors this year do decide to come back, should they not be able to play a season, um, you know, maybe they're more equipped for it next year. Uh, you know, it's, it, it could be a blessing in disguise. It could be a, a hindrance. We just don't know. And I think a lot of it's just going to depend on what they're able to do, given the circumstances, how much they're able to still work out and, and what they do to stay mentally prepared during this time. You mentioned it. There's so much in flux there that, hey, if they play 10 games, I, I think you still can have a measure of, of how good they are, right? Whether that's five overall wins or whether it's comparing them to what they do in the Big Ten West. I think that's really important. Like, what is their Big Ten West record? Are they in the middle of the pack again? I think that's a good sign. Are they, you know, two and four or one and five in the Big Ten West? That's, that's a huge issue uh, for them. But again, like, is it fair to, to really grade or, or judge if – this player isn't playing or these players don't play or you know what I mean? Like, or if their schedule is all screwed up, it, it's going to be interesting to see moving forward, but it certainly um, was going to be a big year and one that I think Illinois should have some expectations, but now don't even know if we're going to be able to actually evaluate that. Uh, but Illinois football recruiting continues to go and Ryan Poy, we've had a lot to chat about these last uh, couple months after really nothing in the recruiting trail to chat about except for bad news. Uh, three more commitments this week. Uh, D.D. Snyder was the first one to commit out of Florida, and he is uh, one of the higher ranked of these guys to, to commit. Had several Power 5 offers. What do you think D.D. Snyder adds to the already four defensive backs uh, Illinois has added in this class? Well, I think especially at the safety position, they really needed to reload. They're, they're very junior and senior heavy right now in the 2020 season. Um, they graduate one or two guys after this year, and then next year is when they, at least if, if things happen as, as we expect, uh, next year is when they really have a, a mass exodus to the position. You know, they'll graduate Treshawn Smith, who's a grad transfer, but you also have Sidney Brown that'll graduate. Quan Martin will graduate. Um, you lose a lot of the position. So they really need to reload now. And so you, uh, it's no surprise that they're loading up a defensive back, especially at the safety position. Um, you know, cornerback, you lose a couple guys after this year, Tony Adams and, and Nate Hobbs. But, you know, I, I, it was important to reload that spot. Uh, I think D.D. Snyder fits in well as a, probably a free safety. I don't think he's necessarily a strong safety, but he's got good range. He's got a good frame. He's not, not a huge guy. Um, but he's not afraid to make a hit, come up and make a hit. So I think mentally, at least, he knows where he needs to be. Uh, he plays 
like he should play. I think for him, it's just a matter of putting on another 15 or 20 pounds of muscle to get to where he can make more forceful tackles. He can be a more sure stopper. Um, you know, I, I, the way he plays now, like I said, I like it. I, I think he wraps up well. It's just he's not making those square up form tackles around the waist to take down the ball carrier. And once he gets to college, there are times he's going to have to face big tree trunk running backs, um, you know, like the guys that Wisconsin and Iowa have. And so he's going to have to be able to make those stops. And so once he gets that weight on, I think that's going to much better equip him for that. Yeah, I watch his film and I'm like, I wonder where he's going to play, but that can be a strength of his because he's got some versatility. He played in the box. Uh, he played free safety. He played a little corner too so he can play nickel. Uh, Illinois has told him, hey, we'll, we'll find the best spot for you. We're not going to pigeonhole you yet. Uh, I just think I watched his film, Ryan. I'm like, not the greatest athlete, but a good athlete. Um, not the biggest body, but a power five body. Um, and I, I thought, you know, there's some traits that he needs to get better skills and he needs to get better, but I think he's got a pretty high floor. And I think his offer list showed that um, what's his ceiling uh, remains to be seen. Uh, but a guy I think has a high ceiling, but might have a lower floor because I mean, he didn't have many offers. Um, he's not had a position that he's kind of proven himself at is Kalen Villanueva. And this was an offer that, or a commitment that surprised me with the timing. I knew Illinois had offered him, didn't know he was a priority for them. But six foot one, now up to 212 pounds after being 150 just a couple of years ago. His body transformation is unbelievable. His athletic testing numbers are unbelievable. But I have no idea what kind of linebacker he is because he's never played the position, Ryan. And, and there's very little film on him at the position because he's played wide receiver, he's played corner, and he's played running back. He hasn't played linebacker yet, and he won't until he arrives at Illinois. This is a project. What do you think of the project Illinois is at? It was, it was funny because I was just about to take off on a flight, and I checked Twitter real quick before we, before we lifted off, and I see that he committed them, and I'm like, oh, they finally got a wide receiver. And then I realized, I was like, man, this guy's actually bulked up, and he's going to play linebacker. Um, but, no, I, I checked out the film, and, I, you know, like you mentioned, he played cornerback, and he, he can fly. I mean, he's, he's got really good speed for his size for him to be able to keep that speed with all the added weight, I think is, is really a testament. I think he's probably got a lot of similarities to Tariq Barnes as far as just like size and speed. I, I think he moves a little better than Barnes does laterally. Um, especially you see it when he's playing running back. Uh, you know, he's pretty good in space. He's got pretty good change in direction. Uh, kind of understands how to, how to manipulate his hips to, to square up whether he's you know carrying the ball or trying to make a tackle, but. I, it's it's crazy because you see him in the open field and he's actually got some burst. Uh, and so I think, you know, you're taking a bit of a flyer on the guy because he's not super proven at the position. He has some defensive tape, which is good. Um, but I think he's a guy that you're, you're taking a bit of a gamble on uh, from a football standpoint, but not from an athletic standpoint. And that seems to kind of be the MO of this class. You know, it's really let's get athletes and coach him up. Um, with Villanueva, I mean, you, you see some, some elements of defensive experience. You see that he's got the ability to an extent. So with him, it may not be as much of a complete ground up project as some of the other guys, uh, even though it wasn't his primary position, but I think he brings a lot of things to that outside linebacker spot that you're really looking for as far as a guy that can just have that explosiveness off the edge, maybe start out as a rush linebacker and develop into a more uh, all-around linebacker as his college career goes on. 
Yeah, I, listen, Kalen Villanueva and his two-star rating is not going to get Illini fans excited. I, I don't think you should, uh, but you hope in three or four years he could be a really good player for you. Um, but there is – Ryan, you and I have covered Illinois football recruiting long enough to know these, like, takes, at least athletically, are a lot different than some of them we've seen before. I won't name names, but there's five foot ten cornerbacks who run a 4-7 right, that Illinois has taken in the past. Or, or Juco kids, you turn on the film and it's like, he doesn't even stand out at the, at the Juco level. Um, so I think these risks and these rolls of the dice have a much higher upside. Now, it's up to Illinois to develop them into football players. I do think in the back seven, the staff has done a really good job of that, whether it's Devin Witherspoon, Tony Adams, Nate Hobbs, guys who are great athletes, uh, even Jake Hansen, uh, maybe not the, the best athlete, but a good athlete. Uh, Dylan Rosiak, we know, has a little similarities there. But I, I think the staff has shown that they can develop that talent, especially in the back seven. And they just have – they want – if they're going to take a kid that's a little bit more risky or maybe not as proven, they want the guy with power five athletic traits, stuff you can't teach, rather than you know maybe more proven as a high school player. Um, but we can teach those skills. That, that seems to be, as you said, their M.O. Yeah, I think what you're seeing is they're, they're taking guys who have a chance to elevate – elevate their talent level, elevate their skills. Um, you know, ath- athleticism to an extent is it can be developed, but some guys just have it. And it's a lot easier to recruit guys that have it and develop football skills than it is to try and develop guys that are, are great football players into elite athletes. Uh, and so I think the floor that these guys have is much better. You're not getting guys that have already reached their peak. Right. Yeah. And I think, I mean, Reggie Corbin is, is kind of an example of this. He improved his 40 when he was here, but it only improved to what, 4.62, I think. So if you're taking a guy, yes, you can develop speed. You can improve speed. That, that's part of what the strength and conditioning staff is there for. You can improve verticality. You can improve quickness. But you're probably not going to change a guy who jumps 25 inches to a guy who's a 40-inch vertical guy, right? You're, you're probably not improving a guy who runs a 4.8 into a guy who runs a 4.55. There's a, there's a limit to that. So that's why these born athletic traits, these natural ability, they want that because they can improve that speed from 4.52 to maybe 4.45 or whatever it is, that, that improve the vertical a little bit, but also the skill. That, that's the teachable stuff. And, and Lovey Smith and his staff are obviously very uh, confident in themselves that they can develop it. Yeah, I think that's the thing. It's, the gains athletically are marginal compared to the gains as far as skill goes. Um, and especially with, with some of the teaching ability they have with some of the track record they have. I mean, Lovey Smith has been around defense for, you know, 30, 40 years. He's, he's kind of seen it all. He knows all the technique. He's surrounded himself with people he trusts. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that is really their strategy. And it kind of goes along, too, with just the, the, the level at which they're able to recruit. You know, you're not going to land those guys that have both right now. I mean, in some cases you have. You've gotten a few guys. But in general – um, you know, if you have to choose either or and you can't get guys that have both because really the elite guys, the ones that have both, uh, if, you, if you have to choose either or, I think you err on the side of athleticism and then trust your instincts and your ability to teach these guys up. And that's the way that you're going to eventually have a roster of complete players. Uh, whereas, you know, if you get a guy that was a great football player in high school but has really peaked athletically, I mean, if you have a 6'3", 190-pound receiver that runs a 4.75, you're not going to get much more out of him at college. Um, but if you have a guy that's 6'3", 190, runs a 4.5, and you can teach him to catch away from his body better, you can teach him to run with, use better footwork, run better routes, 
that's the kind of thing where you can start to elevate those guys to that next level. And that's how they make an impact at the college level. Yeah, especially with those positions you're talking about, those playmaking uh, positions. All right, uh, they land, and land possibly, Ryan, the biggest name recruit in this class so far, even though he's got no Power 5 offers. Everyone seemed very happy. Josh Kruitz, Loyola Academy, three-star offensive lineman, commits to Illinois on Thursday. And, of course, that name a lot of Bears and a lot of fans know because of Owen Kruitz, his father, who is a six-time Pro Bowler for Lovey Smith and the Chicago Bears during his career. Uh, I don't know if we can expect Josh to be his father, and obviously there's a lot of expectations there. But uh, inside the program and outside the program, I think the comp is, is to Doug Kramer. I, I will say this about Doug Kramer, an undersized in-state Chicagoland guy. That's a heck of a comp because Doug's turned into one heck of a player better than anyone could have imagined. Uh, hopefully with, with another year, he'll have more than 40 starts in his career, all Big Ten candidate, and, and just does an unbelievable job with some of these reach blocks he makes. Uh, but Josh Kurtz does have some of those traits, some of those um, intangible stuff as well. But what sticks out when you see Josh Kurtz, who's an undersized kid on film, Ryan? Well, I, th I think the way he makes up for his lack of size in his position is he just plays with incredible leverage. Um, you know, he's he had to play out of position this year. He played at guard instead of center. Uh, he had, I think he was dealing with a nagging hand injury that kept him from really being a, a snapper on most of the, most plays. But, you know, at guard even, you just see him going up against some larger guys, against some big defensive tackles. The, the Catholic League division they're in is no slouch. Uh, you know, they're playing against the, the Mount Carmels, uh, some of those other big programs uh, in the Chicagoland area that have some, some big boys, some big strong guys, and he more than holds his own. Uh, and a lot of it's just positioning, leverage, uh, good quickness off the snap. I mean, you, you see him get his hands up on the numbers right away uh, at the snap and, and just get underneath the guy and drive him back, get him off balance. And a lot of times he puts his opponent on the ground, which I've said it time and time again, former high school wrestlers make great college offensive linemen because they understand how to manipulate the guy across from them. They understand how to gain the leverage advantage and get those guys out of position. And if you get a defensive tackle or a defensive end uh, out of position or get them off balance, they lose their ability to power through you. So you kind of neutralize that burst that they have by getting them off balance. And, and I think he understands that exceptionally well. Um, you know, once he, adds you know another 20 25 pounds because i think he's around 265 now if he adds another 20 or 25 pounds i think he'll be at a pretty good playing weight i don't think you want to get him too heavy his dad played around 295 when he was with the bears and did just fine so you know i don't think you want to put too much weight on him but especially because you know if you do maybe he loses some quickness maybe he loses a little bit of uh, that burst but you know once he adds that strength uh, he's gonna be tough to move especially just because he understands it. I mean, you look at Kendrick Green's a little bit bigger, but you see some of the same wrestler traits in those two. Um, and so while I, I think Kendrick, if, you know, if he sticks around another year, probably moves to center. Uh, I think Josh has a chance to really get in there, especially depending on what happens with Virtus Brown. Does Virtus stay at guard? Does he go to center? Virtus played center his senior year at IMG. Um, you know, and I, I think that's one thing that's nice about the way the roster is shaping up those. They've got some interchangeability and versatility on the interior of the line. Uh, I mean, obviously you'd like to get some bigger guards. They've gotten guys like Kevin Tyler. They can, they can fill that role down the road. Uh, 
Um, but having the ability to have more than one center is huge uh, because you have two guys that, that know the play calls. You've got two guys that can fill in in that spot um, and just have some versatility in the event that you have to shuffle some guys around. Or you got an injury and you got to move guys around. You can just kind of pick it up without having a whole, whole big drop off there. Yeah, if Kendrick is here for the 2021 season, I think it'd be good for him to play center because I think that's where he'd be in the NFL. Uh, Virtus Brown could fill in a guard too, I think, at that point and, and possibly play center in the future as well because of his experience with it at IMG. Uh, but I think just being a leader of the offensive line and then Krutz has a year to red shirt and then you hope by his second year uh, he can kind of take over that role. So yeah, I, I kind of I like what they have on the interior. The tackle position's a little bit more unknown uh, for the future with Illinois. So it'll be, see, it'll be interesting to see how that uh, comes through the next couple of years. All right, Ryan, so what are you looking forward to next? I mean, right now, Illinois actually moving up in these recruiting rankings, number 54 now in the country, which is way better than what, 88 we were talking about a couple weeks ago. Uh, now 11 in the Big Ten. They're out of Purdue, Indiana, Michigan State. Um, so what are you looking forward to most next in this class? Is uh, Even though we don't know if there's going to be football, there's certainly going to be recruiting. And uh, Illinois seems to be making a big push here to get a bulk of its 2021 class. Yeah, and some of that rise, just as a disclaimer, some of that rise in the rankings is due to volume. We see that every year the larger classes tend to be the ones that are ranked higher, uh, not necessarily an indication of, of average ranking or quality. Like there were a few years back, Stanford somehow managed a top 25 class with a, like a 13 or 14-man class, but they were all five and four stars. So, you know, no matter how stacked your class is, numbers help. Um, but I, I like what they've been doing. You know, obviously they're in a way better position now than they were a couple months back. They've added some great pieces. And I, I think now you start looking on the offensive side of the ball, probably still need another offensive lineman or two, a couple more wide receivers. Um, I think you really need some playmakers, especially at the slot position. Um, you know, Cam Bonner being a guy that they could be in that role. Maybe they look to flip a guy or two. Um, but I, th I think you're going to need some receivers, especially because after this year, you graduate quite a bit. Ricky Smalling's going to be gone. Joshi Matorbebe is going to be gone. Trayvon Sidney is going to be gone. And a lot of the guys behind them are, are fairly unproven. You've got uh, Casey Washington, who's taken a few snaps. I, th I think James Frenchie eventually will be able to start making an impact in the slot. Uh, and then, you know, Kyron cumby has got great speed, but he's just really small and you, you have yet to see what he can do uh, a big off season in the weight room could go a long way for him. Um, and Brian Hightower, I think is probably going to be the impact guy a couple years from now that takes on that Emat or Bebe role, but uh, they still need some guys for the future at that position. Uh, as we saw last year, uh, injuries can decimate a deep position group. If you have enough of them, I mean, before the season started receiver was looking like a strength of the team and at the end of the season, they were starting third string guys. And so, you know, the injuries hit them hard at the end of the year. And so having, having some depth at a position where you have to put three or four guys at that position on the field at any given time is huge. So I'd like to see him add another couple of receivers, um, you know, whether that's Texas, Florida, wherever, go get them. Uh, probably add a tight end, uh, Chevy Brenson being uh, target 1A uh, on that list. Um, and so, you know, he gives you another, another athletic weapon at that position, not necessarily a true blocking tight end, but a heck of a receiver at the position. Um, and then offensive line, I mean, probably need at least a tackle and, and another interior lineman. I'd like to see him add a guard. 
just to help fortify the interior of the offensive line. And then, yeah, at tackle, I think you need one. Wise Carver, I think, is really your right tackle of the future. I'm, I'm not too worried about that one. I think he's going to be rock solid. But, you know, you need that left tackle to be able to protect your quarterback. Um, and so I still think that's a position that they need to address either in this class or with a grad transfer. Potentially a multi-year would be probably ideal at that spot. Yeah, I think you hit it. I mean, Cam Bonner and Chevy Brentson are the ones I'm really interested to see. Those are guys who could make decisions shortly. And I just recently upped my confidence meter a little bit in my crystal ball pick for Brentson. Not there yet for Bonner. Baylor is the one to watch because they seem to be slow playing him a little bit. Um, But Illinois has made a huge uh, push there. I think they're doing well. Wisconsin uh, is another school that's really involved there. But uh, I think Illinois is in a good position, and, and I think he wants to make a decision soon. But uh, Baylor, if they step things up a little bit more push, then maybe they can get back into that one. But uh, Chevy Brentson, I think Illinois uh, is in a great spot there. It just depends on if he makes a decision soon or not. He just released his top six, which included Illinois, Kansas State, and a bunch of non-Power 5 schools. Offensive line, you're right. I mean, I think another tackle is really important. I'm not worried about guard. I think they'll land somebody who's solid there. Another position that's kind of sneaking up to me is is a need, uh, and I do like what the new assistants are bringing, but defensive end, uh, I, I think, is, is a need. Because even though you got young talent that I like, whether it's Cooper Davis, Keith Randolph, Seth Coleman, if Johnny Newton ends up playing a D-end, they need more depth there. Uh, and then that's been a position where they've kind of struggled to land. But you do feel a lot better, Ryan. You just want a few more playmakers, a few more, no doubt, Power 5, top 1,000 guys in this class. Yeah, and at the defensive end position, I, I really like what Keith Randolph can bring to this team. He's got Big Ten size coming into college. He played a few snaps last year, got some experience uh, without burning that red shirt, which was great, I think, for him. Um, Seth Coleman, man, if he if he can really make that jump, uh, add some weight on. Uh, it was unfortunate that Ezekiel Holmes had the injury that he did because I think that he brought something kind of unique from a pass rush perspective that they maybe didn't have. Um, and so hopefully he bounces back to give him some depth. But, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I mean, Cooper Davis, I mean, he's, he's going to be a freshman. He's going to take some time to develop. Uh, they've got, and they've got some depth, but you really are looking for an impact player, and that's what you would have had in Bobby Roundtree. And, and with, unfortunately, what happened to him, you're back to the drawing boards and searching for a guy that can be that for you. So, you know, that's probably another, another position where they're, they're looking for the next Bobby Roundtree. Uh, looking for that guy that can maybe not necessarily start as a true freshman. I think Bobby really just started as a true freshman out of necessity, but he was the best player at the position. And it just kind of goes to show that they didn't have depth at the time. But um, you know, if, if you can get another Bobby Roundtree like player that can make an impact and, and solidify one end of the line, then that gives you a little bit more flexibility with finding the other bookend of that line. And by the way, you mentioned Keith Randolph. I got a feature coming up on Keith Randolph this weekend. So nice lead. Shameless plug. No, I, I think it's pretty, pretty good. Like, is a true freshman. He only had to play four games, which is nice for Illinois, unlike Bobby Roundtree, who had to play so much. Um, but yeah, I th- I, for a guy who's played very little football, Ryan, um, he went in there, and whether it was camp, whether it was the actual games and some Big Ten, I'm like, he held his own. Um, and I, I think his ceiling is is really high. And I think that's what a lot of people are putting in. Okay, we, we might not be able to see games. We still don't know about Lovey Smith. Uh, this class of 2021, they put a lot into that because they're like, okay, this is more proof of whether we'll be good or we'll, whether we'll be bad. But it's that class of 2019. It's that class of 2018, 2020. 
Those are the ones that are going to be really important the next few years. And Beeson, we haven't seen yet. Isaiah Williams, we've barely seen. Keith Randolph, we've barely seen. But those guys are still really talented. And those are the guys who are going to make a way bigger impact than this class of 2021 in the next couple of years. Yeah, and I think that's one thing. When Lovey Smith first took over, he played a lot of young players. And those guys that were young players playing back then when he first really took over are now the seniors, and those are the talented guys. And, uh, you know, you look at the level of talent that they've been bringing in, I think you could make a case that the average talent they've been recruiting is higher than what was recruited by the previous staffs and what was really coming in early in, in Lovey Smith's tenure. So given the time to develop those guys, you know, I think they're going to be in a much better place. You know, they're elevating the average talent level of the team as a whole. Um, a lot of these young guys have seen flashes, but we haven't seen a whole lot down the road. Um, but circling back on Keith Randolph, interesting note on him, and hopefully I'm not stealing your thunder here, but he really didn't play football very long. He was only a couple years in high school. He's mostly a basketball player. He played basketball, which you can see in his footwork. He still considers himself a basketball player. Like that's still his number one. <laughs> all those, all those linemen do. You know, if you, if I have to see another drop step dunk video from one of those offensive linemen, where they can, you know, they're in flip flops, they jump up and barely get it through the rim. But I'm glad, I'm glad a coach got into his head into Seth Coleman's head. Right, those guys are hoopers. Um, but they're six foot three, six foot four, six foot. Keith Randolph, six foot five. But if you're six four, six five, six six, and you want, you're a four or a five in high school. Go play football, man. You're going to get those power five offers. And Illinois loves guys who played multiple sports. Basketball, especially for those linemen, uh, those defensive linemen. You know, wrestling, as you said, with Josh Kreutz, which an interesting story about Josh Kreutz. Uh, Olin helped train Nick for the draft. And Nick actually one day gave uh, Josh some wrestling advice because they're both wrestlers. And, of course, track for your uh, every other sport or every other position on the team. So uh, Illinois loves that. It, it does translate, seemingly. Oh yeah. And, and I mean, time and time again, you see people saying if you, you know, if you're a six, two, six, three basketball player that maybe scores eight points a game, go play football, go be a corner. Yep. You're, you know, you're a dime a dozen, you're a dime a dozen in the basketball world. There's less spots, but if you can, if you can run and jump like that in, in the football field, you have a chance to at least be a corner, if not a receiver. And you see so many guys that are, you know, so, so basketball players, Maybe there are some, some high-ranking football players that play AAU ball, and then you see what they do on the gridiron, and it's night and day. Um, and then same, same kind of story. Um, I watched East St. Louis play basketball a few years back, and Terry Beckner was a power forward. And wasn't nobody moving Terry Beckner, uh, 6'5", 270, just bullying people down in the post. But he just you could tell that you know, he wasn't a basketball player. He was a football player, but they just, just loved basketball and played it. But – you know, there's so many guys that, that love, fall in love with hoops that could be elite football players, and it's just kind of like, guys, pick one, be good at it. You can make a good basketball team with the Illini football team. Nate Hobbs was a heck of a high school basketball player, but you mentioned it. one guard with ridiculous athleticism. Uh, man, he's, he's got an NFL future. Kel Griffin's a pretty good player. Brandon Peters had some Division one offers. Um, I was going to say, Caleb Griffin can throw down some dunks. He can. Uh, Caleb Griffin's really good. Seth Coleman, Keith Randolph, Julian Pearl was a pretty dang good uh, basketball player as well. So you can definitely make a good hoops team. All right, Ryan Easterling, thank you, man. Had some good news with Illinois football and, and not so good news. I, I don't know if we're going to cover any kind of football. You're going to get to a high school football game? I, I don't know if we're going to have any. 
it's going to be disappointing if there's no fans and then, you know, they limit us to maybe two or three media and we got a space way out. Of course, a lot of times, you know, some of the media don't like to be around other people anyway. So that's <laughs> how we are. Ryan Easterling, thank you, buddy. Hey, thanks, man. Great stuff with Ryan Easterling. Hope you enjoyed that breakdown of everything Illinois football recruiting. We will have more on the site on the next steps in the class of 2021. I included some of that in my What It Means on Josh Kurtz today on the site, including why I upped a little bit of a confidence meter in one Illini target. So you can read that at the site now, and we have much more coming up, including I talked about that Keith Randolph feature, which I will post this weekend. Also chatted with Kinoto Hudson, the Illini secondary coach, about his success recruiting Florida, and there's an interesting backstory about that, about a very good secondary room he has as well. Also chatted with Larry Lyons, Illinois State AD, about the decision by the Big Ten, how it impacts Illinois State with that Illinois game being canceled. Uh, Obviously not great for them in a lot of these lower-level programs. Uh, And on the good news front, Derek Piper will have the latest on Illini TBT. It's been so much fun to watch House of Pain, Andres Felice, Malcolm Hill, Laron Black, Nana Egwu, all these guys doing what they're doing, Michael Finke. Uh, But Mike Daum, Kyle Vanalis, been great to watch those guys. Somebody in the NBA needs to get Mike Daum in that bubble. He can can play some offense in the NBA, and uh, I think uh, he should get a training camp invite by somebody. Brooklyn Nets, sign him. Washington Wizards, whatever. Get some offense on these teams. Make it some fun. Uh, But we had a great feature on him. Derek had a great feature uh, on Andres Foley's today as well. Uh, So check all that out, Illini Inquirer. Everybody have a great weekend. Enjoy yourselves. Be safe. Be smart. Care for one another. Wear a mask if you're going to be out there around some people, because that can help us possibly have some college football this upcoming fall. Everybody have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast.